Hey yo, welcome to this week's episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling as we look back on the career of Scott Hall and a few things that happened in this week of professional wrestling. And I am lucky to be joined by Nelio Costa, the co-owner, promoter, slash jack of all trades of Coastal Championship Wrestling. Nelio, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I, I, I'm i a little bit uh, uh, sad and obviously, you know, we lost the bad guy. We lost Scott Hall. Uh, but no, uh, I just got, got in from a, a really successful show last night in Ocala, Florida. Florida. We didn't know we had such a big fan base there. I didn't know we had a big fan base there. But I drove, uh, got in about five o'clock this morning, went to sleep, woke up. And now with you here, wishing David a healthy recovery. I'm glad, you know, uh, everything in surgery went well. I miss you, buddy. I need to come over to England. A couple of my favorite restaurants are over in England. So uh, I don't know how much meat you can eat with the heart surgery after the heart surgery. But, but it's good to be here, Sean. Well, thanks for coming on. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. We're going to talk about a few people who have joined the WWE and one in particular that has some ties with Coastal Championship Wrestling as the daughter of Santana Morella, Bianca Corelli, has signed a contract with WWE. And also in this class, you have the former Reno Honor Champion, Rot C., I think those two ladies are going to have an amazing career in WWE. What do you think, Nelio? I think 100%. I mean, <clears throat> Bianca Corelli is a star, obviously, with the uh, uh, Coles Championship Wrestling. I have you to thank a little bit, Sean, because I think you kind of pointed her our way. So if it wasn't for you, uh, she wasn't going to be. Uh, my dog loves the uh, loves Bianca Corelli, by the way. Uh, uh, no, I I, I uh, just texted her the other night. I felt like uh, I found out in December, I guess, and I I, I felt like I felt like a year. So I was always wondering, like, you know, she was there, she was training. They finally made the announcement, and uh, she's wonderful. I mean, she's a natural. She is uh, incredibly charismatic, incredibly smart. She's you know integrated herself perfectly into the CCW locker room. So I think she'll. Integrate herself perfectly in the uh, WWE locker room. You know, it's a, it's a, I think it's obviously a tougher locker room to be in. Uh, it's a lot harder to work at the WWE than it is uh, to work at um, CCW, but she's definitely equipped to, um, to succeed, you know, and she looks like a million bucks. You know, I, I loved her as a heel, but she has amazing uh, baby face potential as well. Uh, Roxy, Roxy, I've seen a little bit. I think I've met her a few times. She seems incredibly talented. Uh, she, she's been doing things. But the sleeper, uh, the the one who's going to be amazing, the, the guy who is going to be the best signing in WWE in a long time, mark my words, is uh, Mitchell. Mitchell, uh, 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 Jake Tucker, the mother lover, uh, man, Unfortunately, he, we had strapped the rocket to him in, uh, uh, in CCW, and then that unfortunately had to be cut short because uh, WWE came calling charismatic on the microphone. Uh, he's got a million-dollar look, and I think he's going to succeed. So you have Bianca, you have Roxy, you have him. And yeah, I mean, I think WWE is, is primed for a, a nice future run. You know, just got to see what they do with them. And if they give them some time, you know, uh, they're ready. They're ready. Uh, you know, you can see them on our on CCW Live Wrestling. If you go in on our YouTube page, they're they're they stand out. You know, when you see Bianca and you see uh, Jake Tucker, uh, you know, they stand out. So they are ready for television. But it, are they ready for WWE television? You know, I hope so. I, I'm betting on both of them, Jake and Bianca. I mean, if I had any sum of money that I could bet on two people, they would be the two people I would bet the farm on that they're going to have good careers. Now, speaking of a somebody that's training with Coastal Championship Wrestling, if we went to AEW, apparently Paige Van Sam is going to be spending some time with you guys. Oh my God. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. So she's there. She's here training. Uh, she's a natural. Uh, she started last week and she was wonderful. Um, she's got a great personality. You know, I love that she's a, uh, she comes off so well as a natural heel in All Elite Wrestling. You're going to see her wrestling in All Elite Wrestling. You're going to see her appearing at CCW, different capacities. But first and foremost, Gangrel, uh, our, um, our head trainer there, is going to get her ready for, for prime time. You know, she's already ready for prime time. She looks like a million bucks. And uh, she's wonderful, um, so so she's gonna do great. And when you have a personality like like Paige Van Zant, and uh, you bring her into a locker room, I lo- I love that it kind of uh, steps the it, it turns everything up two or three notches. You know, everybody needs to be on their game. You know, because she's a fighter, uh, she's bare knuckle fighter, she's an MMA fighter. So when you're in the ring with her, or if you're training with her, she puts us in at a completely d- different level. You know, training wise. So I, I wasn't there to see Ronda Rousey training for her debut. But um, I'm I'm gonna be there for Paige Van Zandt, and I wouldn't bet against her. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I mean, just from what she's done promo-wise for AEW, I feel like they have their top heel female few Agreed. probably a few years. I mean, she's good on the yeah, mic. It, I mean, magic. Yeah, she's 27 years old. She's naturally a heel. She's charismatic as hell. She's beautiful, and she kicks ass. She really, she likes to fight people. I, I, I know a lot of people have put down AEW's women division, but, you know, uh, uh, I know that a lot of people are working with Jade Cargill, and now we're working with Paige Van Zant, and the future is incredibly bright with two women in their 20s who can crush it, you know. But Paige is going to be uh, an out-of-this-world talent. So, you know, wherever she decides to wrestle, uh, um, obviously she's signed to all the wrestling, but whatever she decides to do, uh, for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, expect, um, expect you to be successful at it. So uh, we just, we're just excited to be part of the process. True. True. So let me ask you this question. How hard of a transition would it be for Paige going from MMA to professional wrestling? I'm watching it. I'm watching it happen right now in real time. And she's a natural. I mean, there's some times where, um, you know, she'll spot up and get a little bit like she won't give you enough space uh, because she's trying to close the gap to kick your ass. And it's like uh, spacing is incredibly important in professional wrestling. You know, it's like, don't crowd me. But I mean, she just started. So it's like that's a that's being nitpicky. You know, uh, she can bump. She can move. Um, she's wonderful. And you're, you were talking about Jay Cardell. It's funny how she's only been around for about a year. But if you watch her on AEW, you can see the transition and she's improving match after match. The, the few times that I was at All Elite Wrestling in Nashville and uh, in uh, Miami and a couple other locations where I was there, you know, in a, in a backstage capacity, there's two things I noticed about Jade Cargill is uh, one time she, you know, pre, pre-show as they're working in the dark matches or whatever, uh, she was listening uh, incredibly closely and she was also listening to other people's matches. So she's a student in the game. And then uh, at the uh, monitors backstage, uh, she was there. Mark Henry's there, Adam Page is there, and you can't even get a seat because they're all watching the entire show and they're analyzing the show together. So that makes it seem to me that the little bits that I've met of Jane Cargill is she is a student of the game. Whether it's Daniel Bryan, I hear, is kind of uh, uh, helping her along a lot at all, all the wrestling or whoever it is that are giving her, or, or if it's a team effort, I would hope it would be a team effort. Obviously, QT Marshall, she's there at the Nightmare Factory. Uh, she's a student of the game. And what that means is that she will progress a lot quicker than people who you know i don't want to name names but there have been some wwe superstars and other people or ccw guys that have amazing bodies you know uh, uh amazing uh, uh physical attributes but they don't take it as seriously if you take it seriously you're going to be like uh 
like Kurt Angle. His difference of Kurt Angle is probably the best crossover star of all time. You know, getting back to like Paige Van Zandt or Ronda Rousey. Like Ronda Rousey loves pro wrestling. She, t- she takes it incredibly seriously. And Kurt Angle took it incredibly seriously. And had Kurt Angle started professionally wrestling earlier or stayed in WWE longer, he might be considered the greatest uh, wrestler of all time. So, you know, someone like Jade Cargill, Paige Van Zandt, that just have all the physical tools. You want to you wanna root for those guys, uh, but they have to want it, you know? Exactly. And like you said, I think a lot of people do take some criticism to AEW's women division, but I feel like they have more, less known people, but they're building them up as they're growing the company, and you can actually see the growth as you're watching AEW week after week. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, <clears throat> there's some sleepers in AEW, too. I mean, I know a lot of people make fun of, like, uh, the fact that they have, like, uh, you know, Riho and uh, Emi Sakura and all these people that the American audience don't know, but I love that. I was uh, last time at uh, Port St. Lucie, uh, Secret Treasure. I was in the locker room and, and it was it blew my mind. Sonny Ono walked in. I think he was with uh, one of the wrestlers. He was just there hanging out. And uh, I was talking to Sonny Ono for a little bit. And he was talking about some wrestlers, that, some female talent that he has in Japan. And uh, it blew my mind, number one, because I love, I was a big WCW guy and I'm a big Eric Bischoff guy. And I just thought it was awesome that Sonny Ono was coming to talk to me, like as if we were, you know, equals. But the second thing that I loved is I love that international feel to it. So when you have, you know, Thunder Rosa and you have, uh, you know, new champion Thunder Rosa and you have uh, legit Layla, who's Russian. I know we hate Russians now, but you have, you know, the Japanese talent, Riho and, uh, um, you know, Shida is an amazing talent. I love that international feel. And WWE, <clears throat> they do... Um, they do skew sometimes to more of American talent, but I see in NXT and in some of the developmentals that they'll have more. Uh, there's, a, there's a Brazilian girl there now uh, as well. So international talent and then uh, with female wrestling, it's it's you told the line between like uh, the diva era and the hard hitting era. You know, I, I we're going through a, a transition a little bit in, in CCW is Kylan King, you know, the king of professional wrestling. She's our CCW uh, women's champion. You have Marina Tucker who held it for three years and uh, those matches are hard hitting and Kylin is a is a is a physical specimen and I grew up watching uh, you know uh, well I guess I, I I really grew up watching Medusa so you know I should she's pretty hard hitting but I I you know in my most most of the time in mainstream professional wrestling it was the diva era of you know Tori Wilson and all that so so you know you told this line uh, I think people still some people still want to see more of the uh, and WWE is going back to it a little bit they want to see some of that diva like a beautiful woman you know like a Mandy Rose or she can wrestle too I'm, I'm not I'm not saying anything negatively about them but uh, I really do like AEW's women division with Thunder Rose, real athletes, Thunder Rose, and our division, which I feel is stocked with real athletes as well. You know, Kaylin King, there's another one that's a sleeper too, because I feel like she has a unlimited future. Well, I, I wake up every morning and I check every dirt sheet to make sure she's not signed somewhere. So that's bad for me. I'm like, oh, I hope she's stuck in CCW forever. No, she won't be. I, I spoke with a very high level trainer, uh, one of the highest level trainers in the world. And they told me that um, uh, he thinks Kylie King is in the top 10 of female wrestlers in the world right now. So, you know, I don't know why uh, people didn't give her a bunch of money to stay there, but I'm giving her a little money to stay here. <laughs> you know, it's also age. You know, Bianca was so young. Um, I think Kylan is in her late 20s, which sounds crazy. Sounds crazy to say, like, oh, if you're in your late 20s, it's harder to get signed. So it's like, I mean, I was a child in my late 20s, I felt like, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. 
she deserves to be paid uh, to wrestle on television every week, you know. She kind of is. Exactly, Nelio. I feel like she's one of those that I feel like a lot of people will go like, one day, man, I wish I got her back when before she blew up. You know what I mean? Right. Well, well I was hanging out with her. I was hanging out with her last night, and she's the nicest lady too. I mean, she's the nicest woman. You know, when all things are. Uh, equal it's better to do business with someone that you're friends with and when things are unequal you also want to do business with your friends so you know the fact that she's really chill and a really good person and she cares about the product you know and in female wrestlers that's that's not always the case and with male wrestlers it's not always the case so um she's really cool so you know i don't know i mean we have a tv we have a tv deal now so maybe i'll start signing guys to contracts sean i'll let you uh i'll let you uh uh I'll give you the exclusive breaking news when we sign Kylan King. You know, that would be the one of the first two. It'd be Cha Cha Charlie, Kylan King, Ariel Levy. Those would be the Jackal Stevens. Those would be my four contracts, you know, that uh, yeah. Trevor Reed, Beastman. I would give those guys long term contracts. <laughs> the four pillars. Yeah, that's a great Cha Cha's a pillar. Ariel's a pillar. Jackal's a pillar. And then Fonzie's the old pillar. He's the he's the pillar that's turning into dusty. So, you know, Bill Alfonso. Oh, Kylan is a pillar too. Yeah, Marina. Marina was our was our well, Marina Tucker, uh, who um, has obviously she's been in all elite wrestling. There's been talks about her uh, getting a contract as well uh, somewhere else uh, potentially. I, I mean, I'm not. I hope I'm not breaking any news. Like, uh, there's some talks discussions, but um, uh, she's a pillar for sure. She's the pillar. Well, Nelly, we have talked a little bit about this and that. Why don't we just go right into the sunny six questions here? Stunning question number one for you, Nelio. Why is the lasting legacy of Scott Hall? That's a big oh, question. Well, that's a huge question. Number one is in uh, 95 um, when he jumped to WCW and he went to WWE and he wanted guaranteed money. And then he, when they said no, he said, let me go work in Japan and get money from someone else in the meantime. And they said no. And then he said, fine, I'll go somewhere else and I'll get guaranteed contracts. And that led to guaranteed contracts for professional wrestling. So, you know, CM Punk, who signed, I think, one of the biggest guaranteed contracts of all time in professional wrestling, obviously Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, they really owe, uh, you know, they probably owe more than 10% of that money to Scott Hall because he was the one, they would give, you know, uh, 7% to, to, to Scott Hall, 3% to Kevin Nash because Kevin Nash was, was part of it too. But they went and they said, we're going to take guaranteed money uh, and we're going to um, change the wrestling business in its entirety. And really it was only Hogan and Sting um, who really had that type of setup before that. And now <clears throat> if you watch all the wrestling, you know, um, Joey Janela is not being re-signed or, or uh, uh, Brian Cage, they, they picked up his uh, uh, extension on his contract. Now they talk about professional wrestling. Professional wrestlers like they're running backs like they're starting pitchers and that 100 belongs to scott hall uh because there would still be a situation which would be cheaper for me here at ccw that'd still be a situation in where professional wrestlers were treated like uh cattle uh you were just given an opportunity and a date and and you know if if you were injured if you were a problem happened they would just move on and scott hall changed that uh, in a dramatic sense you know uh that's number one number two man heel work size uh, i wanted to become a professional wrestler because i saw scott hall uh and i saw that lifestyle uh the razor ramon like uh one of my first uh title matches 
<clears throat> that I, I remember vividly is that Royal Rumble match with Bret Hart, how, how good that is. King of the Ring match. Uh, you know, Scott Hall was a little bit, I mean, he wasn't a mark for himself. He didn't care if he won or lost. I think that hurt him. You know, when you say like, why was he not the, uh, why was he never a world champion? It was because he didn't care about politicking himself to become a world champion. You know, he didn't need to be a three-time world champion. He had to look, he had the skill, he had everything, but he cared about what, you know, the money. So that was, and he talked about the money um, uh, on television, you know, so so he changed professional wrestling. Uh, I, I did not, I was uh, a huge Bret Hart fan. I did not like Razor Ramon. I did, you know, and he is as a, as a child and a friend of mine, his name is Brandon Strouser and his dad is a guy named Jim Strouser. Jim Strouser is the uh, uh, karaoke machine king of Chicago. Paul White, the big show uh, after, I guess he had like was bouncing or something like that. They needed a job. So he was working with my friend's dad, Jim Strouser's dad. One day it was my peewee football. We were we were practicing peewee football. And I saw two mountain of a men walking on to the one huge guy. And one, as they were coming up, it was like the guy next to him was a normal size guy. And then you realize the guy next to him was not a normal size guy because the guy next to him was Scott Hall. And that was the first time I ever met Scott Hall and Paul White. I was 10 years old and um, spoke to them briefly. Uh, uh, they went to uh, Jim Strouser's house. I was there and I was blown away at the way that they acted. They were so they were just men. And I was as a kid, I was so impressed by everything. Um, you know, he didn't um, he didn't give anybody a pep talk. He didn't like, uh, uh, you know, say stay in school or get off drugs or whatever, but just the way that he presented himself was really, really awesome. And uh, I don't know the details, but I, I, I have a very big feeling that uh, Scott Hall, who at the time was Razor Ramon, Razor Ramon was there with Paul White, who was nobody at the time. I have a really big uh, uh, inkling that Scott Hall made sure that Paul White got hit, got contacted by Hulk Hogan or whatever because uh, they were good friends already in Chicago when Paul White was nobody. So, so uh, that was my first memory of meeting Scott Hall. And then a few years ago, of course, in the Florida in Independence, uh, met him a few times. And uh, just the guy is a all business, serious guy, um, funny. You know, like he he'll rib he'll rib anybody. But uh, I didn't know him personally, you know. But I loved him. I loved him for sure. I love Scott Hall. Exactly. Growing up when I did Washington Wrestling, I was a big WCW fan because I live in the South. We had more WCW exposure. So, of course, I watched live when I saw Razor Ramon jump over to WCW. <coughs> and he goes like, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And you wanted a war. Now you got a war. And to me, that is the pivotal moment that we saw the transition into the like the modern golden era of professional wrestling. Because I feel like without Scott Hall making that jump over to WCW, I think the WWF could have ran WCW out of business sooner. Yeah, I, I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for <clears throat> those 83 weeks because um, I I assume now, I mean, I know they talk about Sonny Ono and Bischoff coming up at the NWL, but when you listen to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash talk, they walked in and they said, we don't want to be like everybody else. You're not going to treat us like everybody else. You're not going to pay us like everybody else and uh uh they went and they started the hottest angle of all time and you know what the outsiders were the coolest part of the nwo you know scott all was the coolest guy there he was cooler than you know he was cooler than conan i mean no no offense to conan uh he was cooler than conan and uh um he was definitely cooler than hulk you know hulk was like seemed that when you look back hulk was in a lot of place in the whole thing but scott hall was their driving force you know and if he hadn't 
succumb to the alcohol issues uh, in the, you know, the year prior, the year later, two years later, whatever, you know, when he started having issues and stuff like that, there's no, there's no cap at what Scott Hall could have been in that run in from 98. 99 to 2001 there's no you know he could have been a baby face we saw it as razor ramon was a, such a top baby face he could have been a big baby face uh he could have done anything and um you know it's it's also uh what part of his legacy is um uh you know not hitting his potential but also like in his mind he never felt like he needed to you know Exactly. It's kind of a cautionary tale for future professional wrestlers to look back on and see, like, there are certain things from Scott Hall that you need to look at and go, like, I don't need to do this, but there's stuff that he did that revolutionized the sport. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I look at it as a cautionary tale to myself sometimes. You know, I like to party a little bit. I like to have a few drinks and, uh, you know, like, uh, you start to, you go and you have enough matches and you start, like, talking to enough guys and you're like, oh, maybe I can have a few drinks before the match, <laughs> you know? Maybe I can have four shots before a match. Maybe have two shots for a match, you know, or guys like uh, after, you know, uh, and then and then uh, I've seen guys uh, lose control, you know. So uh, uh, he's a cautionary tale, but um, something really loving about him too, you know, like uh, someone like that who speaks so bluntly, you can see inside their souls, you know. I'm not a guy who speaks very bluntly. Like uh, uh, I'm very, um, I sugarcoat everything to everybody. I'm not a, I'm not a jerk or whatever. But I think it's also because I, I uh, you know, it's harder to see my true feelings in the end. Where someone like Scott Hall will tell you how exactly how he's feeling he's fearless um you'll see his feelings and you'll know him more you know you'll feel him more he he and he came off so um authentic on television you know great move set too i mean he did six things but he did them so well you know uh, uh abdominal stretch follow a slam uh you know he does that the spinning punch razor's edge uh uh did, did a couple he does a really good suplex didn't doesn't did but if you watch all his matches, he does the same thing, but he does them really, really well. It's another thing where if you look at a guy like Scott Hall, that's, yeah, you want to have a good five, six things, you know, four or five big things, and then um, in your arsenal, and then you do them really well, you know? And I think that's a, something I wish, you know, AEW uh, wrestlers and CCW wrestlers, like, I mean, sometimes I watch my matches and I'm like, oh, here's same old, you know, same old thing. But if you do them very well, then that's the, that's that would take that from Scott Hall, too. Yeah, it's part of his magic. It's like he had a set of moves that he did amazingly, and he didn't have to deviate because it got the reaction he wanted from the crowd, whether he's face or heel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's no easy way to transition from this question, so we're going to slide over to our second question of the week. Back on Wednesday night on AEW Dynamite, Fana Rosa became the new AEW Women's World Champion as she defeated the doctor Britt Baker inside a steel cage. Now, Nelio, my question to you is, was this title change maybe a pay-per-view too late? Because we saw them back on Revolution. Now, that's a great question. It's hard to be it's hard to be nitpicky on something that felt like such a great moment. And it's really also difficult because Thunder Rosa is one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. She's a very good personal friend of my tag team partner, Ariel Levy. And the times that I've met her, she just opens her soul and is like, she'll give you a big hug. That's why I'm like, like, she's no, I don't know her, but she's like, every time you see her, you've known her for years. And I feel like the audience at home is, has easily picked up on that. I mean, you look at those perfect title moments. Um, I mean, was Daniel Bryan winning the three-way at WrestleMania? Was that too late? Yeah, probably, but it was fine. 
was still beautiful. You know, like like they they strung that Daniel Bryan story around for eight months, you know, and they didn't give the they didn't you know. So was it too uh, uh early, too late? I don't know. I mean, Hangman was Hangman too late? You know, you can't. You know, you, you know, like uh, I'm a big I'm a big uh, Bitcoin guy. You can't time Bitcoin. You can't time exactly what's gonna happen. You can just hope that the timing is gonna work out perfectly you know like they did they had adam page go away like he didn't remember he didn't win the title he went away for a little bit and they rebuilt him and they came back you know and then uh uh you have these windows of opportunity and i felt like could it have been better at revolution maybe you know might it have been better but your window was still open and, and it felt like a great moment. And, you know, Britt Baker had an awesome title reign too. You know, Sheeta had a good title reign. Britt Baker had a great title reign. It's not going to be, it's not going to be Britt Baker's last title reign. It might've been Sheeta's, but yeah, give, give Thunder Rosa the moment, you know, she's had a tough time with the NWA going into AEW. And I know it has not been easy for her. She's an immigrant. She is not, she has done a lot of hard work and it's one of those little things that, Sometimes that doesn't translate to the audience at home. And for her, it does. So, real baby. Exactly. And now, I love the cage match. The cage match is almost as good as their no hole barred light out match from a year ago. Right. right. And hindsight's twenty twenty. I do agree. Hindsight's twenty twenty. My only problem with that revolution match was the fact I would have ended it as soon as they slid that title in and they did a curve stop on the title. I think that would have been my oh, way. Oh yeah. Of it's the stuff after that. This the maybe two minutes. They went two minutes too long. Well, well yeah. Well, when you keep doing stuff like that, like I, I see Sammy Guevara do stuff every week, and I'm like, oh, what's what's next? Can just kill himself? Like, like what are you gonna do? Like, how do you top? You know, doing a Spanish fly, missing the first table, and you probably landed. You probably wanted his body probably felt horrible, right? Yeah. How do you just keep topping that? Okay, so I'm gonna curb stomp uh, your head into this title, and you're gonna kick out. You know, what's next is I'm gonna hit you with this forklift, and then you're gonna kick out, and then I'm gonna hit you with a truck. You know what I mean? Like, like what, what, how, what? You know, it's hard. It's hard, you know. I think that's something that I have a ton of respect for WWE because as soon as they realize they get to a certain level, they just pull a cord and they start over. Now, I don't know if AEW will ever be able to do that, but yeah, too much, too much. Okay, speaking of WWE, we're going to talk about the build-up to this year's WrestleMania because personally, personally, between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar finding each other, there's not much else I'm really looking forward to because this build-up has been very lackluster to me. Well, there's two ways to look at um, the build-up and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And if if The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is going to wrestle in Los Angeles against Roman Reigns, then you have to have Roman Reigns win, unify the title, and, and string this thing along the... the Acknowledge me. I wrestled uh, uh, one of the Samoans. He married into the Samoans last night, uh, Vertigo. And uh, now I'm good friends with Fatu. And Roman Reigns, like from what I hear, is the is a great guy. He's a mensch, hard worker. Uh, I'm going to preface that because it's just, how long has that guy held this title for? Like forever, right? Yeah, we passed probably 500 days of him holding the WWE yeah. Universal title. Well, I mean, uh, uh, the South American Alliance and CCW have held the tag team titles for 440 days. So it's not that long, but it's, it's, it's shorter than I thought. The point that I'm making is Brock Lesnar is so entertaining, is so good that, you know, 
if if it's me, I probably let him unify the titles and do what he's doing and go and and wrestle six times a year and destroy everybody and stuff. But that's me because I I love realistic professional wrestling. But it's pretty clear, right, that if if The Rock, if Dwayne Johnson has agreed to wrestle the next year, then you have to have a unified Roman Reigns destroying everybody for another year. But then there's kind of this trap because then it, be, it makes everything in between kind of boring. Like the anticipation for The Rock is incredibly, would be incredibly high. It'd be amazing, right? But then it would make an incredible anticlimactic year of professional wrestling. So it's one of those things that's like a catch-22. So what would I do? Put the belt on Brock Lesnar. If, if Dwayne Johnson will not wrestle Roman Reigns, then Brock Lesnar wins at WrestleMania. If uh, The Rock is waiting in the wings, then you know what? I, I stand corrected because you can have The Rock start the feud as soon as he beats Brock Lesnar. He can start it on Monday. And he can write a video, and he can go to SummerSlam, and he can go to Survivor Series. And they can just play it up for a year. So I stay corrected. Let's do it. Roman Reigns. Let's let's do another year. Let's another year of the acknowledge me, you know, uh, head of the table, all that stuff. Now, personally, I feel like this is the best run Roman Reigns has had. I love his persona right now, this heel persona he has. And he's done excellent work, and I love everything he's doing. I'm kind of caught in myself. I'm going like, I've been doing this podcast for like a year. Am I getting too analytical when I'm looking at wrestling now? Because I remember growing up and watching Build Up to WrestleMania, I always was excited. So I was wondering if maybe the product's not the problem, maybe I'm the problem. Yeah, no, no. I, I feel the same way. I mean, <clears throat> I try now not to analyze it at all. You know, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to be at Mania. I'm going to, we just, uh, I'm just... Uh, we, we just got the comps. We got me and Ariel have some comps to work for uh, WWE Espanol backstage. I mean, I don't know who I'm going to meet, but I'm excited about that. I'm excited about watching WrestleMania. I'm not excited about you know two days of five hour shows. And then I'm 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 excited about the uh, Undertaker going in. But yeah, I think I think there's a, a line that we all cross. There's a line that I cross too, where um, I try not to be. Uh, I try not to be uh, critical. You know, I, I was be I was being very critical of the main event last year of Roman Reigns and Edge and and uh, Brian Danielson, and then um, I was there live, and it was one of the best live experiences of a match I'd ever seen. The timing was perfect. It was exciting. So you know, let ourselves let ourselves look at wrestling sometimes through the eyes of a 10 year old, you know, watching WCW Saturday night at six Oh five and, and Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Missy Hyatt. And that's the time that I love wrestling so much or, or uh, superstars on Saturday morning and, and, and watching a heartbreak hotel and all that stuff. And uh, then wrestling's fine. But if you really delve into it, you know, it's atrocious. sometimes. <laughs> It's funny you said about looking at it through the eyes of a 10-year-old. I went to WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta, and I literally sat beside the biggest John Cena fan, who was like a little kid. In front of me, I had yes. a, a dad and a young son who was the biggest Ray Mysterio fan. So I know a lot of people hate WrestleMania 27, but I enjoyed being there live with them because they made the show for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm surprised. Now that I'm a father, too. I'm surprised I have a two-year-old daughter. I'm surprised that uh, uh, how I look at the how I looked at things, you know, like I felt like I was such a smart, you know, like yeah, I don't like this guy, and, I, and then now I'm like, oh look, it's the Miz. I love that guy or our <laughs> truth. Like I thought our truth was the worst. I was like that was the dumbest thing ever. Now I love it because you're just like, oh, it's fun, you know. The thing too, wrestling. Like at the show yesterday, we had like 250 people at the show, but a lot of kids, and um, 
I thought that our match was fine, but kids love the match and then they're happy and their, their happiness means more than my happiness. You know, like, like if I thought that, you know, we, we didn't do enough false finishes or, you know, we didn't do something right or, or we screwed up the cutoff or the referee screwed up, you know, shout out to David Anderson for being a very poor referee yesterday. And um, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, maybe I'm upset. Maybe I'm upset about it, but like the kids loved it. So we, you know, we left, you know, we made money and enjoyed ourselves. And and so that's the thing too. Like I look at, I'm, I'm 99.9% sure. Like, you know, the, that's what certain guys like Miz feel like. Hey, everyone's enjoying it. So they don't have, you know, even Bret Hart has a five moves of doom. I mean, he's the greatest wrestler of all time, but keep it simple and enjoy yourself. He's done some silly things too. And he's the best of all time. So we can all, you know, we can make mistakes. David. Sanderson <laughs> made mistakes last night. I'm about to bury him on this podcast, but I'm not going to bury him. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to our next Sunday question here. Because my next Sunday question for you, Nelio, is how long do you see Tony Khan running RLH as a independent company from AEW? Great, great question. Just think about this last night, too. You know, um, don't know if I would have bought Ring of Honor if I was him because I felt like I would feel like I understand the idea of having a brand. But there's also, um, when I watch a CCW show, because I book the show and write the show, there is a feel to the show. There are the things that I like. And I take people's opinions, but for the most part, like I can feel that, like a six-match show, hour, 55 minutes, couple angles, the type of angles I like, you know steal everything from the nwa from 1986 to 1989 and stuff and i think tony khan has his style and his way of doing things too and i think that ring of honor you he should he should do whatever you want he's a billionaire you know he should put somebody with a completely different style like uh, like a paul Heyman or brian danielson and he should say write up this exactly what your your cm punk he has them he has cm punk and daniel bryan working for him brian danielson working for him he has william regal working for him and he could say to william regal or brian danielson or whoever cm punk or cole cabana or jim Cornette, and he could say hey outline what you want to do and what we're going to do on weekly television for these four super pay-per-views a year and I'm going to okay them. You know, you can't do anything I won't tell you to do. Uh, but you do this so that it feels, it actually feels different than when you watch uh, AEW Dark, AEW Elevation, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and uh, you know now AEW Ring of Honor. You should make it feel like a different show, in my opinion. That's what I would say to him. And uh, I have told people, uh, I would never, I mean, I've told people uh, within the company what I would that I, that's what I would do, and I, I've had I've had people agree with me within AEW agree with me. But Tony Khan, like myself, sometimes too can be a control freak. So I think if you're asking me how long, forever till he's dead, until he's <laughs> until he's an old man, <laughs> until he's 85 years old, and uh, we're gonna be. There's going to be no wrestling. It's just going to be NFTs. Everything's just going to be a digital representation of some different type of animal on a screen that's going to be projected right into our brains. And it's going to be called Ring of Honor. And it's going to be wild. And he'll probably still want to be fully in charge of it, uh, which I understand. I still I still edit every single episode of CCW Live. We have a production company. We have multiple 
television networks involved. We have a cable channel and I refuse to let anyone edit it by myself. So I understand Tony Khan's pain, but I wouldn't go out and buy another company and also do the same. You know what I mean? I wouldn't go and buy, uh, I don't know, uh, USA Pro or, or I wouldn't go and buy MLW and then double my work. You know what I'm saying, uh, uh, Sean? So I don't understand why he would, but he's a billionaire, different breed. Yeah, I, I understand you do. Because that was my first thought when he made the announcement. I was going like, you're setting yourself up to be burning your candle from both ends. And eventually, there's only 24 hours in a day. You can't make more than 24 hours in a day. I mean, eventually they're going to be producing more than 24 hours of professional wrestling in a day at the pace that they're going. I mean, so, within two years, they're going to have 32 hours of television. They're gonna be, there's going to be the AEW Network and then the AEW Network 2 and stuff on TV. It's going to be wild. It doesn't make any sense. But it, you know what it shows? It shows that Tony Khan has love and passion for professional wrestling. You know, when you work, when you love what you work, what you love what you do, it never feels like work. So I'm sure it doesn't feel like work to him. And I know for a fact he burns the candle at both ends. He's up, he's up all night uh, writing stuff with Chris Harrington and whoever else. And uh, he's up early and he's doing his stuff and whatever. I mean, he loves professional wrestling. I mean, that radiates from the screen. Anytime you see Tony, Tony Khan on the screen, you can tell that he loves wrestling. And I feel like RH is in the perfect hands because I think anybody else would just bought the videotape library and toss it up on Peacock or some other streaming service. And I'm like, okay, I can get some money from it. But it's Ring of Honor, you can tell, is his favorite wrestling. I mean, he has CM Punk. He has Daniel Bryan. I have no doubt Samoa Joe was going to be there soon. You could tell that that was the wrestling like that he prefers. If you look at his style. So look, I I can't believe the numbers that I've heard of the how much it cost him. I Every person that has told me a number that he paid for, I said, you're lying because it's not worth it. But if it's worth it sentimentally to him, he's a billionaire. And, you know, he, it's a long-term project, you know. I Sometimes I'll do a long-term project. It doesn't make sense, but maybe it'll pay off in four years and he'll be even more of a billionaire, like even more, more billions, you know. But I think you also have to, you have to stop yourself and say, I love uh, professional wrestling. I have to stop myself. And say, I love professional wrestling, so I'm willing to do more for it. But, you know, does wrestling love you back? I mean, uh, uh, he's going to get a much bigger uh, television rights deal from, well, I remember TNT, TBS, right? HBO, Max, whatever it is. He's going to have a great, he's going to have more money. But I have a feeling he's going to take that more money and he's not going to put it in his pocket. And he's going to try to invest and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually, you can't you can't grow at such an expansive rate without like you said burning yourself out or be having like big contractions at some points you know so who knows but as long as he's having fun and he's enjoying himself you know who are we to tell him not to run ring of honor <laughs> no one else was going to do it you know like, like WWE was that was going to just buy the video package and uh you know uh, i don't think anyone want with like uh, uh what is that media company that uh, that owned it? Uh, Sinclair. Sinclair was gonna wasn't gonna save it, you know. No, I mean Sinclair was looking to basically fire sell everything from ROH because well, and to Sinclair, them. I, they they baffle me. Sinclair baffles because they have syndicated markets all over the country, and they could have. I don't know why they lost so much money on Ring of Honor. They could have made Ring of Honor profitable, and they chose not to. 
it feels like. I mean, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Like, I don't know what their, I don't know what their, uh, what the metrics of the company look like, but you didn't have to spend what they spent. And you have built-in distribution. It just sounded to me like Sinclair, put me in charge of your wrestling division. You know, you can buy CCW. I'll allow you to buy it. And I promise you it'll be profitable. But for some reason, Ring of Honor was never profitable. You know, it's going to be the true biggest misery of modern professional wrestling because they literally could have everything AEW did because back in 2017, 16, 18. And he just bought all all in, you know? He just bought all in back. All in was Ring of Honors. Exactly. It didn't make any sense. I was at All In. I, 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 it felt like there was change in the year. But you know what? The change. I thought the change was going to be Ring of Honor, not a, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars' son. Like I thought, Ring of Honor was going to do it. But they had distribution already. They already had television distribution. Who not? Who? Who knows, man? Exactly, Nelio. I'm going to go ahead and thank you right now for coming on to Radio Free Professional Wrestling and being my special co-host for this episode. Tell us what's coming into the future for Coastal Championship Wrestling. Oh, my God. Uh, every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, a live wrestling, uh, now available on Tele-America, which is uh, uh, operating in the West Coast, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. LFN Networks in Florida. You can check your local television listings. Please watch it so that we don't get canceled. But obviously, every Tuesday uh, uh, on YouTube, uh, 7 p.m., we have 76 episodes. You can go and you can watch it. Independent, episodic, professional wrestling matches with guys like Brian Cage, Sabu, Christy James, uh, Ariel Levy, Cha-Cha Charlie. And uh, uh, weekly shows, uh, uh, next Saturday is our anniversary show, 18-year anniversary in Pompano Beach, Florida, and Fort Lauderdale. We're excited about that. Every first Saturday of the month, Bash at the Brew, Hialeah, Florida, the show in professional wrestling, in independent wrestling, to be at is Bash at the Brew. There's something special happening in South Florida. And now in Florida, the last territory, Ocala, um, Port St. Lucie, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, uh, and now Nashville, Tennessee, every last Saturday of the month at Redcon 1, uh, a new deal we're doing with them and uh, we're growing. So be a part of something from the ground floor, you know, like you want to go watch uh, WWE, you know, there's uh, years of history. To, uh, you can watch, you can be, you can say I was watching CCW when they were on a live wrestling and they were an independent and uh, you know, when Nelia was alive, you can say that. <laughs> so, you know, be, be, uh, be there on the ground floor and be there with us. Uh, now, that's my pitch. Ladies and <laughs> that was Nilio Casa, the co-owner, sometimes wrestling, jack of all trades of Coastal Championship Wrestling. It is simply the best independent wrestling you're going to see on YouTube or on cable TV. And it's a fun watch. Check it out every Tuesdays. That's what I do for my Tuesday evening wrestling watches. I check Love out it. Coastal Championship <laughs> Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Until next Monday, when I have yet another co-host, until we get David back here, if I have to go break him out of the hospital myself, stay yes. stunning. <laughs>